0: Good morning. Let's begin this morning with number 648. We're just going to do two verses of it, so let's please stand up. Mm
1: -hmm. Stand up, stand Stand up for for Jesus.
2: Said the sound of battle is going on today, but the sound of victory happens tomorrow. Well, I like that. I think it applies so much. I mean, the world around us is that battle. They're at a battle for, for our attention. You got an election going on. You got the news of the Middle East. You got the stock market. You got, I don't know, news of Taylor Swift and a guy that plays football. <laughs> but it all goes on. It competes. It competes for everything, anything, and everything. And for the next hour and a half, we're going to put that aside. We're going to focus on that victory call that's coming. It's an appointment. It's an appointment we can't escape, we want to be on the right side of that. So it's a time to worship God, worship him for his love, worship him for his power, worship him, and you got to worship him for his mercy, the way that we can put yesterday behind us because of his son's uh, sacrifice. So this morning we're going to hear a, we're going to hear a lesson. Matt's going to bring a lesson after a while on the being guided by the, the Holy Spirit. We uh, we got prayers, we got songs that sing praise to God, but also speak truth to one another. Speak it from our hearts, speak it from our mouths. We have got a time that we can remember Christ, remember Him with a memorial, the uh, Lord's Supper, the bread and the juice. If you didn't grab it, it's in a Ziploc bag out in the foyer, and I forget mine half the time, so it's okay to go grab one. So. Um, we got that. And if you want to wanna give to support the church and helping to grow his kingdom, we got boxes on the wall, too. So let me uh, start us off in prayer and uh, we'll go in. Dear Lord, we're thankful for your love and your mercy. We're thankful for, for a plan that was since before time that your son would come, that we live on this earth as a perfect example, and He would give himself as a perfect sacrifice. That he sits on the throne today as the eternal king of kings and the eternal priest of priests. We're thankful that he intercedes for us, that he understands human life, that he understands sin, he understands temptation. And he also wants us home with you eternally. Father, we ask for uh, blessings on each one of us. We ask for soft hearts this morning as we as we worship you. And we ask that you uh, keep our minds focused on why we're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Number 418, please. Mm -hmm. Breathe on me, breath.
3: would join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for you. We're thankful for who you are. We're thankful that you're a God we can trust. We're thankful you're a God of mercy and a God of great love. We so appreciate what you've done for us through Christ Jesus. We're thankful that you would send him to this earth and that you're able to look at us in all our bad ways and and still love us and allow a healing to take place and a forgiveness of sins to take place that we can have a relationship with you through him so lord again we're just so thankful for how you've worked through jesus in our lives lord we're thankful that through jesus going back to be in heaven with you that he has sent the holy spirit lord we're thankful that you would be that you would put your holy spirit in each one of us as christians And Lord, we pray that we'll never, ever neglect such a power that resides in us. Lord, we know that you'll put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit, if it's through our willingness, but by thy Spirit that works. And Lord, just help us have that willingness. Help us have the desire to have that Spirit working inside us. We know that thy Spirit will help us Progress to be more and more like Jesus as you describe in your word is it's from a glory to glory. And Lord, may your spirit continue to work in us. May we allow him to work in us. May we give you fertile ground to work in us. And Lord, we thank you for his guiding action. We thank you that that he probes our hearts. We thank you that he puts opportunities before us to be able to, to be righteous people, to be people of good deeds, to be people of your word, to be people who love others and want them to be saved uh, through what Jesus has done. Lord, we wanna also pray that you'll be with this church. Not only us as individuals, where your spiritual gut will guide us, we pray that your spiritual will guide us as a community here together at the North Brevard Church of Christ. Help bring harmony here. Lord, we have we a, a good peace here at this church, but Lord, we pray that you'll just keep on progressing that further and further, helping our oneness to, to be like the Father and Jesus and one, one, oneness with each other. Lord, we have a number of people that, that have, have illnesses and sicknesses, and Lord, we know those names are going up to you right now. And Lord, we just pray that you'll be mindful of them. We know some of them are suffering and hurting, and we pray that you will be attentive to them and that you'll hear those prayers and pray that you'll be with with them as individuals to help them heal, to help the doctors, the nurses, help them get the right diagnosis they need so they can progress on with treatments that'll help in their ailments and things that they're going through. Lord, we help, pray that you'll help us the spiritual things we're going to, to as well. Sometimes, Lord, we're just not who you want us to be. We've fallen short to where to Jesus is our goal. And, of course, we all do that, but we pray that you'll make that very apparent to us, that where we are falling short and help us progress on to, to higher ways of behaviors and help us be able to keep our eyes open and see people in need around us, especially those things that are urgent, that we know that your people are been put here to be zealous about doing good things in the lives of others, and help us be those people here at the North Brevard Church of Christ that will never be neglectful and be able to be helpful to those who are in need. Lord, we thank you that you're in our midst today. And Lord, we just praise you and give you so much honor. And it's in thy son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Before the Lord's Supper this morning, number 593, consider him. Mm Surrounded by those who have traveled this road, we throw up.
4: us prepare our hearts and minds for the Lord's Supper this morning, I'm going to read from John chapter 6, starting at verse 51, going through verse 56. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Verse 51 there alludes to the fact that we're not literally talking about eating flesh and drinking blood. But what Jesus is getting to is his wisdoms, his teachings, and his lessons that he has for us. It's the knowledge that we're after. He's comparing that to the food to get back to the physical, that it sustains our physical life. The knowledge and his power and his teachings is what will give us our spiritual life. Let us give thanks for his sacrifice. Dear Heavenly Father, we approach your throne grateful that you sent your son to die on the cross to pay the price for the sins that I have committed. Grateful for that, that he has paid the price for all of us. Before we, the, for the sins that we have committed and for the sins that we will commit. That foresight and wisdom that was needed to be able to help us be saved, pulling it all together through <clears throat> an, exam, an example of love and sacrifice that each of us needs to put into our own lives. Father, we are ever grateful for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue in prayer for the cup. Father, we're grateful for the fact that your son was put on a cross, was beaten mercilessly to pay the punishment that was due for us. The grace and love that you're showing us through that, let us simply reflect a little bit of that back on our fellow man so they can see your power, your glory, and your grace reflected through us. Most importantly, Father, let us go through with the encouragement that you love us enough. You know where we're weak and we're fallible, that you're there with us. Let us always be encouraged with the sacrifice that was made and the thoughts that we can take from that so that we can become better Christians and better servants of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are collection boxes in the back of the church that if you have not already put your contribution in, you can put it in on your way out. But at this time, we wanna give thanks for the offering. Father, we approach your throne once again, bringing such a small part of what you had already given us back to you so that your kingdom can be furthered in this area. We realize that our gifts extend more than our finances, but we're very grateful that you've allowed us to live in a nation one of the richest on earth where we can care for our families, have plenty to eat, have plenty to take care of ourselves with, with funds left over to be able to put towards your work in this area. Father, we ask that you be with the elders as they decide how to spend the funds to best grow this church and spread the word and the gospel in this, in this town and in this state. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Today I'll be reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters.
0: At this time, children age of second grade and under, younger. They go to their classes with their teachers. Before Matt's lesson, we're going to sing number 429, O oh, To Be Like Thee. O oh, to be like thee, bless you.
5: So today we're starting a series that really was building off of um, two weeks ago before I missed for camp, where we were talking about worshiping in spirit and truth, and we talked about how we focus a lot on the truth side of things, but we don't always focus on the spirit, right? And we also showed how um, following God every single day, not just on Sunday, is part of our spiritual act of worship To God. And we put that together um, two weeks ago and really thinking about how Christianity is a whole lot more. In fact, it's more about what's happening every single day outside of these walls, this place, than just what's happening here on Sunday, than just what's happening here on Wednesday. So I decided we needed to start studying. The part of God that I think most of us probably struggle the most with, which is the Holy Spirit, right? God the Father is easy to understand. He's the judge, he is the creator. He is the one that is overseeing everything. And Jesus the Son as well is easy to understand. He is God that came and was man and made the sacrifice on behalf of all men to remove our sin. But also with this promise of the Holy Spirit. So the problem with the Holy Spirit is this. The problem with understanding the Holy Spirit is this. Well, one, the Scripture talks about the Spirit in many different types of ways. Sometimes when it's talking about the Spirit, it's just talking about life. It's just talking about your life. Or sometimes when it's talking about spirit, it's talking about your emotions, right? Their spirits were downcast. Your emotion from what you've been through in life. And then there are other times where it talks about the spirit. And most of you in your Bibles that you read will notice those times the spirit is capitalized because it's not just any spirit, it's the spirit of God. How do you make sense of it all? You know, when you first open up and you just um, type in, at a, in, a, in a concordance, spirit, you'll find out that there are almost 600 verses. And we're gonna go through most of those today. <laughs> you ready? All right. But we are gonna go through today The amount of times that the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, was said in the first six books of the Bible. Now, let's play and have fun with this a little bit, can we? Is that all right? Let's test your knowledge today. Let's see if you are smarter than the preacher, because I'm going to tell you right now, The questions I'm about to ask, I know the answers now because I've studied. I didn't know them all. In fact, I'm going to tell you that they surprised me. And at first, the, 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 the topic was so big. It's like, how do you sort this? How do you narrow it down? Which is why I thought, let's just start from the beginning and work our way forward and see what God shows us. Just let's see what he shows us through scripture as we go through this journey of understanding the spirit of God, right? So where's the first verse? Well, we kind of cheated, didn't we? If you don't know where the first verse was, there's already a part of worship you weren't paying attention to. It was just read, right? Now, what does it say? And, I, and as we look at this, I want you to see, again, I stress all the time look at the little details. OK, in the Jew for the Jews and for the Hebrews, if something was a pattern in the word of God, it was not just a pattern that God wanted you to see. It was prophecy. It was foreshadowing something that was going to come. OK, so think about it from that perspective as well. Genesis one. We all know this verse. Right. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Doesn't sound like a regular day yet, does it? No, because it's at the beginning. The world is at the beginning of its creation. The universe as we know it is at the beginning of its creation. The parts are still separated. They're just kind of there in place. And it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now you can look at that and you can say that's coincidence. To me, God has no coincidences in his Bible. Every single word that was written on the page was carefully and thoughtfully thought out to express to us the will of God right from the beginning. Verse 2: the spirit is indicated above the water. That's funny because right now I hear water running. I think it's back here. Maybe the spirit's still hovering. <laughs> hmm? Was it a coincidence or a pattern? Was it a coincidence or a foreshadow? Why there of all places? Why there? You remember Nicodemus? Jesus goes to Nicodemus and tells him, you got to be born again. you got to be born again of the water and the... Oh, it, just coincidence. Doesn't have any meaning at all course it does. You can't be born again without the water and you won't receive the spirit unless you get in the water. You have to be baptized. If you have any questions about that, we can go through the context of scripture that clearly, clearly shows that, but I'm not going to do that today because I don't have time. Second one. It's probably not a place that you would expect for the Spirit of God to be mentioned. And you might miss it because you might be thinking this is one of those times where the Spirit of God is being talked about as in life, right? And this is Genesis 6. This is the beginning of the flood, the beginning of the fall of man, really the, 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 the beginning of, of that first generation, if you will, of mankind, being destroyed, and it says, When men began to multiply on the face of the land, and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. So you see right from the beginning, you don't even get six chapters into Genesis, that God has his spirit, capital S, And where is this supposed to abide? In us. Right? So, from the beginning, we see that the Spirit was present and part of the process, and that God's plan was for the Spirit to abide in His people. That's the plan. You can see it right from the beginning. All right, let's keep going. Genesis 41. This is an interesting situation. Oh, did you guys cheat? I got ahead of myself. first person that is singled out to have the spirit of God in scripture. Now, now let me be careful real quick because I'm going to, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give something away later. Okay. Right now. But not everybody that has the spirit of God is indicated by scripture to have it when they first get it. Does that make sense? Some of you are going, I don't know about that. I'm going to catch you later. I'm going to catch you later. All right? Not everybody who has the Spirit of God is indicated by Scripture to have the Spirit of God and when they receive the Spirit of God. Not everybody in Scripture is like that. All right, I'm going to show you. Well, before we're done, I'll show you that. But who's the first one? David? Somebody said David. David's wrong. David. Who? Jesus. Jesus is definitely wrong. That's the New Testament. We're in the Old. I'm not getting out of the first six books today. Good guess though, Nora. Adam Adam is wrong. Any other guesses? Abel's wrong. Abraham's wrong. All people you would expect, right? You don't have to raise your hand. Haley, go ahead. One more. Did you just say Joseph? (laughs) That's my niece. Yep, it was Joseph. You know what's crazy about it, though? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can't say I'm not proud right now in that moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's Joseph. You know what's crazy about it, though? This is the first time we see where the scriptures indicate that somebody has the Spirit of God in them, right? And the first person to acknowledge that somebody has the Spirit of God in them is the Pharaoh. It's the Pharaoh. It's after Joseph has interpreted these dreams before all this has come true, by the way. Before the prophecy, before the dream's interpretation has been revealed as true, the Pharaoh knows. He can see there's something different about Joseph and he proclaims this. He says, why, can you find any man like this that has the spirit of God in him? And then by the way, he not only makes him head of his house, he says, outside of the throne of Egypt, we are equal. We are equal. Okay, who's next? Ah. Now you're going to get nervous, right? Because most of us were wrong on the first guess, right? Who's next? I guarantee you, nobody came to church thinking, I hope Matt preaches about these two guys. Second people to be recorded in Scripture to have the Holy Spirit. Do you know who they are? One starts with a B, and it's not Benjamin. It's Bezalel. What? Don't go there yet. Who is that? Oh, you want me to tell you who the other guy is? Aholiab. You're like, wait, I've never even heard a single sermon on that guy. You're right. You're right. Not people you would expect, is it? Not people you would expect at all. You, most of us, don't even know who those people are. And I don't blame you because I couldn't have told you who they were by name. Who are they? They're the people who God called to make the tabernacle. They're the people who God called to make the priestly garments. They're the people who were very skilled in many things. And God set to oversee the building of his original temple, the tabernacle, and the priestly garments and all that went with it, all the ordinance stuff. And if you really think about it, you're like, wait, hold on. So you're telling me the second people in the the Bible that are recorded to have the Holy Spirit aren't crazy leaders, aren't great, amazing people. They're, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying craftsmen aren't amazing people, but they're people who just do the work. This is like a general contractor that doesn't just have people that knows how to do it, but knows how to do it themselves and can train people how to do it. That's what this is. Not people you would expect, right? I mean, they're mentioned before Moses in the timeline of scripture. And this is what I want you to see. And this is my most confusing take home, but I want you to see this. It's so important. Okay? The Spirit of God is declared to be in someone we would expect by someone we wouldn't expect. So we would expect Joseph to have the Spirit of God, but he was declared to have the Spirit of God by the Pharaoh, somebody you wouldn't expect, right? And the Spirit of God is declared by someone we would expect and someone we wouldn't expect. Because God declared His Spirit... And the craftsmen who are going to build the temple and all the things for the priestly garments and you think why is that important oh I don't know maybe because God was um had an idea in mind of how he wanted things done and he needed somebody that had the ability to do it and not just do it their way but do it God's way huh everybody's got a place And the thing is, this is the pattern that you're going to see the rest of this lesson. You're going to see this pattern where there's somebody you would expect and there's somebody you wouldn't expect. And this is how it goes for the first several books of the Bible. And really, it goes this way for the rest of the time. We won't stress it after this lesson, but I want you to see it right off the get-go. Someone you would expect, oh yeah, natural leader. Joseph, amazing person, does all these amazing things. Oh wait, kind of had a crappy life. Still somebody you expect to have the spirit of God. Somebody you wouldn't. All right. All right. Next. This is the first time where the spirit of God is mentioned to be in Moses. Now, I will tell you, you have to guess when the spirit of God comes to Moses, because I'm going to tell you it was way before this. In my opinion, probably at the burning bush, certainly by Mount Sinai. Certainly when he, comes home, when he comes down from the mountain radiating God to the point where they have to put a veil over his face, certainly by then he has the spirit. But up to this point, the scriptures have never actually said that he had the spirit. So this is that time where the, Israel's getting unruly. Um, Moses is like, I can't handle all this by myself. And God says, go get elders, right? Go get elders. Says here's the men who are already leading, pick 70 out of them, bring them up to the tent, and I'm going to take the Spirit of God that is in you, and I'm going to give them some of it. You know what other, other point you see right away right here? Not everybody gets the same amount. When we get to the New Testament, that's really important because that concept is repeated over and over in the New Testament. Not everybody gets the same amount. Some people have one talent. Some people have three talents. Some people have five talents. Not everybody gets the same amount. Everybody gets it based on the calling God has given them. Not everybody gets the same amount and it doesn't always come in the same way. For some, it's the gift of speaking. For some, it's the gift of encouragement. For some, it's skilled labor. You ever think of it like that? When you're making sure that one of these beautiful um, um, decorations is hung perfectly and flawlessly and square. If you can do that on a wall that's as bumpy as this, you got some skill and talent and you've thought about it. And you know what? When you do that, as crazy as this sounds, that's glorifying God. And God gave you the spirit and the ability to do that. As simple as that. As simple as that. All right? So, Moses... Pick 70 people. Here's the interesting part. As God takes the spirit of God out of Moses, not completely out of Moses, but to share with the elders, the elders begin to prophesy. Now there's 70 of them. They're all in the tent. Lo and behold, outside, in the camp of Israel, there's two other guys. Eldad and Medad. That's a fun name, isn't it? Me dad! Somebody was like, who's your dad? Me dad? Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are these people you thought I was going to preach on today? You see the pattern? Are these people you thought I was going to... Does anybody know Eldad and me dad? Was anybody like, oh yeah, I know exactly who they are. I didn't think so. Okay. They're out in the camp and they're prophesying. They've received the spirit. But they're not part of the 70 that God said to select. They're part of the registered. Do you know what that means? That means that they were already leaders of the people, but they weren't the 70 that Moses selected. Is Moses full of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, is Moses doing God's will? Yes, for a very long time at this point in time. Is Moses closer to God than maybe anybody else in the history of mankind? I mean, the scriptures sure seem to indicate that he gets to spend more time with God on a one-on-one level than just about anybody else you could ever imagine in scripture outside of Jesus. So he picks his 70, you'd think that's a pretty good pick, wouldn't you? But there's two that he missed that were of the group that he could have picked out of, and they're prophesying in the camp. And so a young man comes in from the camp, and he's yelling at Moses. Moses, you wouldn't believe it. There's these guys. Oh, Dad, me, Dad. They're down there, and they're, they're prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, who's set apart, really, from a young person, Right? who later the scripture is gonna say, guess what he's got in him as well? Spirit of God, probably shocked about that one. Right? Not really, that's one you'd expect to have it. See the pattern? But Joshua says, Moses, go down there and tell those people to stop doing it. You didn't pick them, they're not supposed to be doing it. And Moses is like, what? What, Joshua? Are you jealous for me? Do you think I'm the only one that should have these powers? Do you think I should stand out above everybody else better than everybody else? Do you think it should just be for me? And then Moses' attitude says something beautiful. You know what he says? He says, I wish that all were prophets of Israel. I wish everybody in Israel was a prophet. I wish the Holy Spirit was in everybody in Israel. That's what Moses says. And then they go back to the tent. But it's Joshua that called it out. It's Moses that called Joshua out. Did Moses make a mistake? Maybe he missed two. Right? Maybe God's like... (whistles) You think? Maybe he missed two. See, I don't think Moses made a mistake at all. I think that his actions and his words... I think that his actions and his words speak to the fact that he didn't make a mistake. He didn't, he didn't overlook these people out of animosity or anything like that. In fact, he was glad that they were prophets. He was glad that they received the Spirit. So I don't think he made a mistake. I think God just simply surpassed the expectations. Everybody was expecting 70. God gave them 72. There's a lot of expecting, expectations. Do you guys feel that? This is what was jumping out at me in the Word as I was going through it, looking with fresh eyes, just in the order of the way that the Spirit of God is written about in Scripture. Let's keep going. We're almost done. Is this the guy you'd expect? Balaam? Is that a name that is given high praise in Scripture? When we were just studying Jude, wasn't he one of the ones that was called out in not a good way? Didn't they say Balaam's error? Wasn't Balaam a prophet for hire? Wasn't he someone that was trying to actually use what God had given him for his own personal gain, even to the point to where, what does the scripture say right here? He was going to Israel to look for ways to curse them. That's what he means by omens. He was going to Israel to look for ways To curse God's people. That's who he is. And this time he gets to Israel and he sees the tribes all camping in their tribes and in the formation that that makes. And he can't help. He can't help it. He wants to go in there and find a reason to curse them. But he doesn't even go into the camp. He begins to prophesy outside the camp about how it doesn't matter how much the world comes after Israel. God has made a promise, and God's gonna follow through with that promise. And the whole world can be against it, and nothing will stop what God has planned to come. That's what he prophesies. Before he does that, the Holy Spirit comes to Balaam of all people. Of all people. And then I already told you about Joshua. One we don't expect, one we expect. See the pattern? Now, last but not least, and these kind of, these are, this is Judges, and I, I had to get to Samson, okay? So spoiler alert, Samson's where we're going to end. All right? But I had to get to Samson. But I want you to see this. There's only three judges that the Bible explicitly says had the Spirit of God in them. Three judges. The first one is Othniel. Now, the Bible doesn't say a ton about him, but the Bible does reference one person. Who's that special person that the Bible references? It's Caleb. Caleb. It's Caleb. Why? Because Othniel's Caleb's brother. Who's Caleb? I don't know. The right-hand man of Joshua. The one of the two spies that were good that came and said, I don't care what Canaan looks like. I don't care that they have giants. I don't care that we are outnumbered. I don't care that the, the cities are amazingly fortified. I don't care that it looks like we can't beat them. God promised us this land. And if all we do is march around that city, it will fall. Now, I added a little bit there. But that's what they were doing. While the whole rest of Israel was saying, what have you done? You've led us out here to die. These people, they will kill us if we fight them. That's who Caleb is. And now, out of all the judges, his brother is one of the three that have the Holy Spirit, have God's Spirit. Why is that important? Well, I wanna tell you, never underestimate the power of your example to your family. Don't underestimate it. You don't have to push it on them. You don't have to pressure them through it. You don't have to force them. You don't have to back them in a corner and talk them into it or. Just be who you're supposed to be. Just be what God is calling you to be. And your example will speak for itself. I mean, did you really think out of everybody? Who's going to get the first question right? It would be my niece. I'd love to say that was my example. But that's the example of my whole family. That's the example of my brother. That's the example of my sisters. That's the example of my mother and my father. We come to holidays. We talk about God. We talk about the world. We talk about what we see. We encourage one another in Scripture. We live by the Spirit to the best of our ability. And it spreads. We don't have to pressure them. We don't have to back them into a corner. Second one's Gideon. Okay? Now listen. This is actually one of the greatest parts of Scripture to me. Okay? Okay? Because at this point in time, Israel is at a really, you know, the judges is like constantly like God comes and saves them and then they just go back to being dumb. That's what they do. And they just can't get the lesson. And the world starts to fall apart and they beg for God and God raises another judge who comes and saves them. And they live for a little while in God and then they go back to being dumb. That's judges. I just told you it all. All right. And at this point in time, when Gideon arises, Israel has been taken over by Baal worship. Baal is the sacrifice of babies, you guys. This is God's people. And instead of going to the temple, they're going to the altar of Baal and they're laying babies on his hands to be burned alive. Okay. That's Israel. All right. They also got the Asherah. You know what the Asherah is about? We'll call it fertility. Okay? Their life is opposite of what God's people should look like. And evil is reigning in Israel when Gideon is called. So what does Gideon do? God calls Gideon. And what's he do? He gets some of his oxes and he goes out at night and he has them oxes pull that Baal statue over and destroy it. And then he chops down that Asherah pole into nice little logs. And God tells him, so he does, makes an altar to God where that Baal stood. And he takes the wood of the Asherah as kindling for the sacrifice he makes to the Lord. And when he wakes up, when the, when the city wakes up, when Israel wakes up the next day, He's got enemies everywhere. In fact, in fact, the Amalekites and the Midianites, they're moving in too, all at the same time. And it says he clothed Gideon with the Spirit of God. We know what happens. God says, I don't even need the full strength of your army. Let's limit it. Let's limit it. Let's limit it, right? And who wins? God. God. Gideon, you can't stand before God. All right, that's simple, right? Well, let's go back to the very beginning. Why is Gideon significant in this process right now? Do you remember when God originally comes to Gideon? Do you remember what he says? He says, are you sure you got the right guy? Like, do you know who I am, God? Do you know who I am, God? Yes. He says, I'm from the weakest tribe. I'm one of the weakest people. You're asking me to be a warrior, you got the wrong guy. That's what Gideon says, but he does amazing things. And I want to tell you this real quick. Gideon didn't see in himself what God knew he was capable of what God would do through him. Gideon did not see in himself what God knew he was capable of what God would do through him. And that's probably most of us in here. God will exceed your expectations. You know, I had a friend, I just shared this in Bible class, and I want to share this with you really quickly as well. I had a friend who said to me the other day, he said, hey, never set a goal that is so low that you can accomplish it without God. I thought man I don't know if I've ever set a goal that I can't accomplish without God all right last one Samson zit ready all right I don't have time I know Mike O'Neill is over there just chomping at the bits I don't have time I don't have time to go into Samson's birth sorry but you should take some time to look at it, it's pretty significant. All right? But what I do want you to see right from the beginning is that as a child, the Holy Spirit was being stirred in Samson. Isn't that an interesting thing? As a young man, the Holy Spirit was being stirred in Samson. Samson of all people? Wait, do you know the backstory of Samson? Do you understand who Samson was? Samson is like the guy that everybody remembers strength can kick butt, right? He's also the guy that's like a mess. His personal life is a mess. He is making decisions in straight defiance of what God told him. When he finally gets caught and loses his strength, why? Oh, I don't know, because he was so arrogant that he was literally telling people how to take his strength. Nine times out of 10, when Samson is in trouble, look at this right here. When Samson is in trouble and God is rushing the spirit upon him, as the scripture says, nine times out of 10, Samson put himself in that trouble. He created it. And John, I mean, in Judges 14, he's marrying a Philistine. God said, don't marry a Philistine. God said, marry your own people. Nope, I'm going to marry a Philistine. She looks pretty good to me. Her own parents didn't want it. I don't care. Dad, go get her for me. Now he's on his way to get what he needs and out of nowhere comes a lion and the Spirit of God rushes on him and he rips that lion to pieces with his bare hands, okay? The second one, he's made a bet and he's lost a bet and he's bitter. He's gambling, he's lost a bet, he's bitter. And the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. Now, he goes into the Philistine camp and he's, he's got a debt to pay and it involves people's clothing and stuff like that, right? It involves clothing. And so he kills 30 men. He takes their warrior garb off of them and he goes, here you go, wear that. It'll look good on you. Spirit of God rushed on him in that time. And last, yet again, he's in control of the Philistines because he's put himself there. And this is Samson's life. And not only, not only do you see that the Spirit of the Lord is involved in his life, but this is what I want you to realize, and this is probably the most significant point I've made up to this moment, is that of all the people we've named so far in Scripture, this is the one that has been stressed, not once, like I showed you with almost everybody else, not twice, not three times, but four times in Scripture is Samson. Admitted to having the spirit of God. It's stressed about him more than anybody. You know, it's almost like when you look at it from this perspective, it's almost like you're looking at Samson's life and it's all crazy and messed up. And it's like God is saying, don't forget, he's got the spirit of God. I know it doesn't necessarily make sense to you, but he's got the spirit of God. Which is why I want to tell you, be careful of your expectations. You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Not every Christian is going to look like you, act like you, talk like you, think like you. Not every Christian is going to be good at the things you're good at. The more you grow in, the Lord doesn't guarantee that you're going to be the next big thing in speaker or the, or the next leader in the church or whatever. But the Spirit of God, just like Moses wished, is now in the new covenant upon us all. The Spirit still hovers over the water. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the watery grave of baptism, dying to yourself to rise, reborn, as he says to Nicodemus, to the newness of life? A life that is forgiven of sin and a life that has the Spirit of God dwelling, abiding, abiding, making his home in us. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the only way you get it. And for those of us who have, are we taking the talents and the abilities and the skills and the gifts that God has given us to glorify his kingdom? Where are you at today? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. I heard an old,
1: old story.
6: Doctors figure out what's wrong with them, and, and hopefully that'll be that'll be quick. And Sandy Tagtoe, she's still at home by herself with after her cataract surgery. I mean her carotid artery surgery. And uh, Mickey is gone to Minnesota. His sister passed away, and he's uh, he's up there for for the funeral. And please continue to pray. Continue to pray for Mickey and, and for his family, and that he has a, has a safe return. The the autocorrect for the for the bulletin had never heard of the name Zella, and printed Stella instead. So, uh, her her name is her name was was Zella, and and she and she passed uh, Wednesday evening. Continue to pray for Dennis Reichert. Who's, who's had his spinal tap was, was postponed because he had, diphtheric, that word there. Okay. The um, back after our after our seminar, everyone was given a, a prayer card for a bookmark, and we were, and we were asked to write down ten names of people that you've been that you want to pray for. If any of those names. That you've been praying for, you want the whole church to pray for them. If you want them to receive a card to let them know that 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 we care about them, please give that name to Doug Gertis. We we have a we have people that are standing by, waiting to send cards and waiting to send greetings for for, for people that, that need our prayer for that need our churches for our church. Also, Nora Hornberger is sick with a UTI. She's here today, but she asked to please, please uh, pray for her. Jan Ward fell and broke her ankle in two places. Please, please pray for her that she can. Uh, sh- she did it over the weekend, so she's still waiting to see a doctor and and and, and get it taken care of. Rick Curry, a former member that we have here. He's asked for our prayers and we wanna we wanna pray for him. He's very sick. And let's see what else I have here. Our food pantry is asking for macaroni and cheese and spaghetti and spaghetti sauce. Thank you. For-
0: would be singing gym number six sixty. Sorry. <laughs>
7: Thank you brothers for this blessing that you have shared with all of us. God th- God bless you. Thank you brothers for this help. God bless you. Que
8: Thank
7: you so much, my brothers, for this blessing. I hope to you, God, continue blessing your job and in order that they bless your life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this
8: blessing. I really appreciate your support that you have given us to your brothers and I hope to you God continue blessing your life and your job. Thank you so much. Yo me lo bendiga hermano que Dios son lo bueno en la vida y en gracia por esta bendición que nos se hizo posible para por esta tanaza de Salem. Thank you so much for your blessing, my brothers. I hope to you, uh, God bless you and also take care of you. And thank you so much because this year, this last step uh, was possible today. Thank you so much.
7: Thank you for this blessing that you share with us. Thank you and God bless you all.
8: Yeah. Muchas gracias, hermanos, que el Señor me los bendiga, agradecida con ustedes por esta gran bendición. Thank you so much, my brother. Uh, God bless your life. And I feel today thankful with you, with this great blessing. Thank you so much. Eh, muchas gracias, hermanos, por esta bendición que Dios te dame. Muchas bendiciones de tu vida. Gracias. Thank you so much my brothers for this blessing and I wish to I wish to you that God continue blessing your life. Thank you a lot
7: May God bless you brothers in Christ. And the Bible says that for all those that bring, their hands are never empty. Thank you. My brothers, I
8: really appreciate this blessing. And I hope to you, uh, you have a great Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Muy buenos días a todos mis hermanos. Muchísimas gracias por esta bendición.
7: Good morning to all my brothers. Thank you so much for this blessing.
8: En nombre de todos mis hermanos les deseo que tengan un feliz año nuevo.
7: In the name of all us, in the name of all my brothers for the Church of Christ.
8: Les deseo que Dios les dé mucha paz, mucha felicidad, mucha salud.
7: I really wish that God's. Corte, corte, corte.
8: Good morning, my brothers. I really appreciate your support, and on behalf of my brothers here, I want to thank you. I want to tell you thank you, and this package makes you feel happy. I wish to you that God bless the next year. God bless your life, your job and also de he gives you help in your life. Thank you so much and greetings from Nicaragua. Bye bye.
7: para Okay. Muchas gracias, amados hermanos, por la bendición que han compartido con esta iglesia. Thank you so much, lovely brothers, for the blessing that you have shared with this church. Estamos muy agradecidos en nombre de todas las familias de la congregación. We are really grateful in the name of all the families from the congregation. And all the families want to thank you all at the same time. Okay. Y todos. And we say,
1: thank you so much.
7: Thank you so much. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year.
0: Closing hymn will be number 660, if you will please stand while we sing and remain standing for the prayer that will follow.
2: so much for the opportunity for us all to come and have fellowship together learn about the holy spirit and how it infuses our lives heavenly father i pray that you watch over each and every one of us as we leave today bring us back here next appointed time heavenly father continue to watch over those that are sick amongst our congregation amongst community heavenly father i pray you bring them back to their full health heavenly father thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins